All right, welcome back to the show. Plenty of your calls and texts to get through, of course, talking about the no-call, the fallout from yesterday's ending to the Saints-Rams games. Lots to read online at WWL.com. Unbelievably, this is just the saga continues. There's so many levels of this, but maybe the most unbelievable part, at least after that moment, is that the league still has not released any official statement on the play which just kind of boggles the mind here. Sean Payton saying he heard from Al Riveron and somebody else in the league offices. They admitted that it wasn't one but two blown calls, but still 28, 29 hours later now, and we have not heard anything official from the league offices of Roger Goodell. Also, many calling for a boycott of the Super Bowl down here. You heard uh, Harry Connick Jr. calling for that. We have sports bars saying boycott the Super Bowl. And, heck, I'm saying if you want to hit the league where it matters most, yeah, boycott the game. Don't watch it. They see declining television ratings from their um, most highly rated television market in the country this year. That'll make them pay attention. Those are all online at www.com. We'll get to your calls in just a second. But first, Aaron Torres. NFL and college football, uh, college hoops writer, rather, for the Athletic and Fox Sports Radio. On to the show now, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. And Aaron, what's going on, man? It's been a pretty rough day, pretty rough day here in New Orleans, man. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it's tough. And, and I think the thing that you just brought up here off the top, set is the part that the only real disappointing part to me, I mean, I have my own opinions on the, the call, whatever, we'll get to it in a minute. Um, but, but yeah, the, the inaction by the NFL, the inaction, you know, you just want something definitive, right? Like you just want closure. You just want whatever it is. And it seems like the NFL can't give it to you. Yeah. I mean, hell, you had an official after that uh, Seahawks Steelers Super Bowl apologize publicly. I don't know why they can't just, yeah, apologize for this one. That'll at least be the first step here into kind of uh, closure for us. Like you said, that's well put, Aaron. Uh, what is your thoughts on the call and everything that happened there? Well, I mean, you know, my thing is it was a terrible call. It was a game changing call. And look, it's no secret that if, if the call goes the way that it should have, it's first down, Saints have the ball, they run out the clock, this and that. I don't think that it's fair to say that that one call decided the game. And I've, I've used this example a lot today, but back when I was writing for FoxSports.com, um, you know, I remember talking to, ironically, a New Orleans native, Ed Reed, about his days at University of Miami. And one thing that he said that always stuck with me is he said, you know, we were the Canes, you know, we thought the officials didn't like us. And we tried to put everybody away early because we knew if we left things in the hands of the officials, something was going to go the wrong way. And so I don't think that, you know, anyone purposely was out to get the Saints. But that did resonate with me last night because I was sitting there thinking, man, I bet the Saints wish they they hadn't had kicked those two field goals on the first two possessions. Uh, You know, you stop that punt on the the you know the Rams or you know on your own 25 yard line when the Rams go for the fake uh you know you can seal the game early in the second quarter you go up 20 nothing there's no coming back from that so yes the call was awful yes the call would have sealed the game but the Saints left a lot of points on the field early they had a chance to to kind of do more early and I think that more than anything is what stuck with me as well last night I think that's I guess fair and and it's something that Doug Mouton a a TV sports director down here a good friend of mine um, said as well that the Saints had multiple chances to win and I think that
that that is completely fair in between the Browns uh, uh, between the boundaries and probably a more level-headed take than, than I have at this <laughs> at this point. Uh, but I will kind of counter with to that. The Saints, in my mind, Aaron, they still did enough to win, right? In, in one of the most obvious yeah. plays, obvious pass interference calls that could ever happen out there, the Saints did enough to win, and they would have won that game, chip, chip shot field goal. So anybody saying, well, yeah, but they could have you know, scored touchdowns instead of the field goals in the red zone or anything else, um, I'm just being honest. Look, I, I love what you're writing. I've had you on before because I love your opinions on this. But to me, it's a little tough pill to swallow. Of course, it's a tough pill to swallow. And, and, you know, and I think there is – like it's hard to differentiate between a call that, that – like it, it's, it certainly costs the Saints the game. But, you know, I, what, what I guess I just go back to is, you know, when a kicker misses a field goal on the last play of the game, what's the first thing the coach always says? Well, it didn't come down to this one play. We had opportunities. We didn't take advantage of it. When an, when a quarterback throws an interception in the game, well, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it didn't come down to this one play. We had plenty of opportunities. And so I'm not, like, I get your point of view, and I get a lot of people. I think that is the majority point of view, honestly, not just in New Orleans, but across the country. I mean, I've had friends from every corner of the country, obviously, this is the biggest topic in sports right now. Um, and so, like, I see that side, but I just think that, and, you know, like Sean Payton even said yesterday, he's like, man, we, you know, we, we, we didn't capitalize on some things, but then he did go into the, yeah, but it was a terrible call. So, like, it's, it's just so, like, it's, it's that weird thing where I know you bring me on a show like this to, to have a definitive opinion yeah. and stand by it and back it up. And, like, it's just when I see both sides and, like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know what should happen to the refs. It was a terrible call. But I also don't think you can deny that the Saints had plenty of opportunities earlier that they didn't take advantage of. No, I, I bring you on, Aaron, because, I look, I love your opinions. I respect your opinion. Same thing with Doug. And I don't mind that, that you or Doug or anybody else has a different opinion than me or, or the majority on this. That's, that's why I have you on. And the one, well, another question about this that I'll ask. Do you, do you think, and I'm trying to just find any sliver of optimism in my soul right now, do you think think that anything good comes of this and of course i'm referring to any rule changes changes with the replay in the future Ooh, um you know i saw clay travis say this today and i thought it was kind of interesting i never really considered it but i i guess and i don't know how this would work right is it's you know we we when something like this happens everybody comes up with a million different theories and a million different opinions but like it is weird that you know, we have all this instant replay and all these challenges, but there are so many judgment-type calls that, you know, they happen in the moment, and even if everybody knows they're wrong, including the refereeing crew that says so to Sean Payton after the game, they can't change it. I don't know how you would go about evaluating, challenging, you know, judgment plays, how you go about changing plays. You know, but I will say this, like Major League Baseball, and I'm not even a baseball guy, but this is why they expanded instant replay. I mean, there were safe call, you know, judgment calls at home plate at second base on a stolen base. You can now challenge that in baseball. And I'll be honest, I don't watch a ton of baseball, and it's kind of weird. But I guess if you're getting the call right, like, it, it's good. It's not a bad thing. And so, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not privy to, to what's going on behind the scenes in New York right now. But I do think the idea that there's so many of these judgment calls in the moment 
that you can't overturn when it's so obvious. I wonder if they do make that kind of uh, – you know, that a little bit more liberal going forward. Yeah, it's a very interesting point here. Talking to Aaron Torres, NFL and college hoops writer for The Athletic and Fox Sports Radio. What about the AFC game? We haven't really touched on that today for obvious reasons, but obviously mm-hmm. just, just an incredible game by probably the future of the NFL in Patrick Mahomes against a guy who uh, the reports today are, hey, maybe he's done if he wins a Super Bowl. Tom Brady, incredible game over there. Yeah, it was unbelievable, um, and it's amazing because – uh, you know, the, the I said this in, in real time, but when the game went final, the Julian Edelman, you know, did he muff it, did he not muff it, you know, muff punt, uh, that was 17-14, and we thought that was going to be a game changer. And it, it feels like 50 things happened in that game after that one play. And when you have a final score of 37-31, when it's 31-31 going into overtime, that's unbelievable. So I think my big takeaway was just, you know, you can hate Brady, you can hate Belichick, you can argue about they cheated this time, they cheated that time. Like at a certain point when you get to this level so many times, so many years in a row – it's kind of hard to make the argument anything other than that this is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. This is the greatest coach we've ever seen. Uh, you know, again, take out your bias, take out your opinion about uh, Spygate or Bountygate or whatever. What those two have done over 18 years now, I mean, we're talking like two decades. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say we'll never see this again what is this Brady's ninth Super Bowl just just unbelievable whether you like the Patriots or not yeah it, it, incredible is the apt word for that uh, really quickly Aaron look college hoop season I'm, I'm a huge college hoops fan so I'm sure we'll have you back on talking that uh, it, Duke Tennessee and Gonzaga are those the three best teams in college basketball and not necessarily in that order to me they are yeah and for people who haven't been following just catching up uh, early in the season, Gonzaga uh, beat Duke. Of course, Duke lost last week. That was their only loss up until last week. Tennessee beat Gonzaga. And so I think if you like those three teams in any order, that's fine. What was kind of cool in college basketball this week is the last two undefeated teams lost on Saturday, Michigan and Virginia. I thought both those teams were pretty good, and I still think they're both pretty good. I don't think they're on the level of those three, though. So what was nice is, you know, college basketball is a sport where you don't, you know, win-loss record isn't as important as it is in, say, college football, right? And so when those two teams lost, we could kind of put aside the, okay, well, they're undefeated. We have to put them atop the polls and just kind of say, okay, who looks good? Who, who passes the eye test? Who's got the resume right now? I think those three teams are right there, and I think there's a group right behind them, Kansas, uh, Virginia, Michigan, uh, the two teams I just mentioned, uh, Michigan State. There's about five or six behind them, and then after that it is totally wide open, going to make for a fun ha- second half of the season. Yeah, a really intriguing conference play. LSU back into the AP Top 25 this week, and then March Madness not too far down the road. Aaron, always appreciate the chats, man, and uh, I know, like I said, we'll have you on again. Thanks so much. Absolutely, Seth. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Have a good night. All right. Aaron Torres, uh, NFL and College Hoops writer for The Athletic and Fox Sports Radio. We'll take a break. Back to your calls. Don't go anywhere. Phone lines are lit up. 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. Seth Dunlap and Tim Zimmer here on The Last Lap. Here's a text from the 985. Bottom line, Saints made mistakes, and so did the Rams. We knew that this would obviously be a hard-fought game on both sides of the ball. The winner of the game goes to the Super Bowl. At the end of the day, the Saints did enough to win this game, and the refs caused them to lose the game. Not a player of the team that lost it, but a 
in all caps, referee, give me a break. This play happens with any big market team. All would be held accountable. Again, that from the 985. Also see a lot of comments here and also on our Facebook page that this is Roger Goodell's fault. This play wasn't Roger Goodell's fault. And that's like brain, uh, blaming a, a president for something that happens in a local municipality. I mean, maybe you say the culture that Goodell has fostered with officiating and what he's done in the league offices with officiating, has he made mistakes? Sure, probably. Has Goodell been a um, a bastion of arbitrary stewardship of the league? No, we've talked about that a lot. But anybody saying yesterday's play and the results of that game is is the fault of Roger Goodell. Again, my anger level is 10 of 10 for what happened last night, but you lose me at that point. Tim, what's what you got? I'm pretty positive Roger Goodell was very relieved when he found out he was going to be at the Kansas City Chiefs game <laughs> instead of the in the Superdome, which I thought was odd considering it was a very cold game. Yeah. So I figured, you know, the commissioner and all that would be in the Superdome. Instead. Is it odd cuz he's we know Robert Kraft and, and here very close. I mean, I I mean, I guess he was there to see Brady, but you know, who knows. Yeah, there you go. All right, back to the phone lines we go. We'll start it off, Sean, on a cell phone. Welcome to the show, Sean. Hi, how are you, Seth? We're all right. We're, we're getting through, Good. Sean. Well, listen, I'm going to change the topic just a little bit. Um, I, I I went out and Ubered tonight uh, just for a couple hours. I do it for fun mostly. But mm-hmm. I go and I pick up this guy in my neighborhood and comes down the steps. I don't recognize him. Climbs in the back of my Land Rover and turns out it's A.J. Klein. I find this out, you know, two minutes into the ride. I spent 20 minutes with this kid, 27-year-old, went to Iowa. The most amazing kid. And, I, I, of course, I shook his hand and apologized for what happened to them, you know, only 24 hours earlier. And he, you know, shook my hand. And, and we talked. And I said, you know, how do you deal with that? He goes, you know, I just we're all very upset. You know, it, it was terrible. Obviously, we got cheated and we feel cheated. But he said, I really have to just kind of move on. And I said, well, what are you guys doing tonight? And where am I taking you? And he says, when we go on the road, we get sort of a stipend, and we collect that money. We don't use it for ourselves. We collect it, and at the end of the year, we take all of our guys out, all the people that help us throughout the year, and took them through. And I dropped them off at a party. They had donated their money to take all their helpers out and, and to celebrate a great year. And he, it was the most amazing 20 minutes I've spent with a professional athlete. I know a couple, but that's the, that's the nicest ride I've ever taken with anybody. Uh, Sean, that's kid. no, that's a great story. We, we needed a little something uplifting today, and that might do it. I like that. AJ Klein and there in the in your Uber and, and telling you that they collect their stipends and then throw everybody a party, all the, the behind-the-scenes staff, I think, for the Saints. It's good stuff. Thanks for the call there. Let's go to Jack and Metairie. Welcome into the show, Jack. Yes, I'll tell you how you doing. I think I, you know, first um, I'm a lifetime Saints fan. That means born and raised. I've been in games in Tulane Stadium. Uh, my father played football. I played football. I'm also a football fan, a real one. I watch the league, and I watched the. I mean, look, we, I've been to sixty to a hundred Saints games. The first week, let's go back Tampa Bay. My sister's got season tickets. She bought me. I walked out of my first Saints game ever with a gut feeling because of the bad call. Remember when they threw Thomas the ball, he hit the ground? I'm sitting up in the terrace. You could, I could see 10 yards around him. Nobody touched him. They took that touchdown off the board, and it costed us the game. 
Also, the Atlanta Falcons game, helmet to helmet hit with Kamara, costed us Cowboy. another game. Those Cowboys we should yeah. have been fifteen and one, and we should have been in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and here's what I will say about that, Jack. And I said this after the Alvin Kamara no call against the Cowboys. I said that's it's a bad call, but there's no certainty that the Saints would have won that game even. Would have been in great position to do so. Is it assured that they would have won that game? No. And it certainly wasn't in as big of a moment as an NFC title game. This is different. This is a call that if it was made, the Saints win the game. Just period. A 99% chance. I mean, Will Lutz made a kick there, the field goal. He's going to make that chip shot kick. He just would have. This is different. This is different than any other missed call or no call or bad call or blown call in football history. It just is. We have never seen something like this in a moment like that in football history before, certainly in NFL history and one of the worst calls in sports history. In my lifetime, I have never seen anything like that. Just have it. It's 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 just such a a punch to the gut for all of us because it happened here to the team we either cover or, or cheer for, root for, get invested in. What I hope is that no other fan base ever has to go through this again and they fix the problem and implement some kind of replay system where you can review those calls. That's my hope. Plenty more of your calls to go. 30 more minutes here. On the last lap, 504-260-1870, text line 870-870. Here's the text from the 504. I love how people call it in, and the first thing they say, how are you doing, like it's any other day. Well, they're just trying to be pleasant. I get it. No, it's not any other day. And maybe they are asking. Maybe they're concerned for my well-being, like Doug Mouton was to Tim Zimmer. Tim called him, and, and Tim, he, he was asking you, you know, Seth okay? Is he actually in studio? What he was called he? and asked if you were in the studio or on a ledge. And I was like, well, he's in the studio tonight. Yeah, I'm on a proverbial ledge. There's no doubt about that. All right, back to the phone lines we go. Tony in Australia. Welcome to the show, Tony. How's the Houdat Army down under doing? Good feeling crook. I already vented my spleen earlier, but um, I saw your Facebook uh, post, and I agree with you 100%. And there was a lot of us here. We were going to go into the city to watch the Super Bowl. But then after that call, we started to sort of chat together and we decided that if we lose this game, we're not even interested. And as far as the NFL, if they spent some money, they could have a replay official at every ground up in the stands with the monitor in front of them, contact with the referees. If they saw something that they might have missed, they just tell them, hey, you missed that, go and have a look. Yeah, and they actually already have that, Tony. They don't have the system where they're they're uh, talking about judgment calls, but there is multiple officials up in the booth with monitors looking at every play. So they have the system there. They just need to change the rule. What? It, if they got the system, how come they can't call down to the referees and say you missed that? Yeah, it's it's you know what, Tony, it's a good question, and the answer is because the owners have not approved that rule change. The competition committee, I believe, has recommended that a couple of times, but the owners, by two thirds majority, have to vote to approve it, and they have not done that yet. I think a change is now coming. This is the tipping point, just like the Tuck rule was a tipping point for rule change. 15 years ago, just like Tom Brady getting his leg broke 
was a tipping point for a rule change 10 years ago. This will be a tipping point for a change in replay rules. I firmly believe that, Tony. And, and Tony it brought up another point here about the gut punch, the collective gut punch that we've had as a city for football. And we're going to talk about that going forward. And really, and fans are one thing. I mean, it's, it, I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter nearly as much to you and me as it does to the men and women inside the Saints organization. Later on in the week, we'll get into just how this changed the legacies of guys like Drew Brees and Sean Payton on the opposite side, Sean McVay and Jared Goff. It's a sad reality that legacies will be changed forever because of that. Thanks for the call, Tony. And by the way, just because it's not football season, don't go anywhere. We'd always love to hear from you. Let's go to Adam in Bucktown. Adam, what's going on? Hey, Jeff. How's it going? I'm all right. I'm all right, Adam. I hear you. Um, so basically, uh, I was yesterday. Yesterday, I was in Champion Square, and it was a pain in the butt being there and seeing the big screen and not hearing, you know, Zach Streif and Deuce and Thales unfortunately talk. The volume they had it so down low that it was anything could no nothing could really be hurt, you know. Well, that's too bad. Um, During the game, you're talking about? No, it, yeah, the, the Saints game. Yeah, nah, that's in too Champions bad. Square. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it's all good. So anyway. I wrote a little post on Facebook about, uh, you know, the seven stages of grief and there's pictures that go along with it and the video of the whole infamous play. Sure. I was blown. Um, but, you know, with the seven stages, you have shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing, and acceptance. Uh, you're more than happy to read that on my Facebook page and share that with whomever. I'd appreciate it. I know it may take a while if I read it, so I'm not going to do all that. But um, I uh, – you know, I felt like all day today that, I mean, I was watching people's videos, watching different angles of like, you know, I saw one angle right before you answered the phone or you put me on the line, excuse me, of, uh, you know, Lewis's face being impaled by underneath the helmet with a, with a hand, you know, like, so mm-hmm. it's just, it was just, it was just unreal how everything unfolded and how like everybody outside the dome in Champion Square was just livid and like couldn't believe there was no flag. I'll tell you this, Adam. You know the word you just used there? Unreal? In the truest sense of that word, and that word has become kind of cliche, right? Because we use it for everything. But in the truest sense of that word, that moment yesterday was unreal. It just defied reality for me that we were watching that in that game in our city, in our stadium unreal to the the greatest extent there and yes i am squarely in i guess step stages two and three of the seven stages of grief. i'm somewhere between pain and guilt and certainly in anger i might be here for a while thanks for the call adam let's go to mike in mandeville welcome to the show mike hey seth love your show hate to be calling on a day like this but i i was aghast at that I got a couple suggestions. The first one is we just UCF them. I think we should declare ourselves the National Football Conference champion, hang a banner, because one <laughs> of the things that was going to be – I'm serious. Yeah. I, I'm not kidding about it. They said they were wrong. We know if if they make the call right, we win. One of the things that was going to be so profound, I mean, and that was they're going to go to the Super Bowl wearing Tom Benson on their jersey. That old patch and what that man did for the city – and and for our team is something that people forget about, and this was a year to kind of tribute him. 
and and I know that that doesn't go in there, but it, but he could have left. He didn't leave. He stayed here. He fought with the city. He fought to stay at the dome. He he made deals that that where everybody else is asking build me a two million dollars uh, two billion dollar stadium, you know four billion dollar stadium. He says we're going to stay here and do that, and, and it was it just amazes me. Anybody could miss that call. I mean, it, you know. Zach and Deuce were saying we saw it from 150 yards away. They said the people in the booth next to him were saying the Spanish language broadcast from L.A. was sitting next to Bobby and them up there and saying, "Where's the flag?" You know, it, there, there's no way you miss that. And and I'm not a conspiracy theorist or or any of that. But you know, the Saints have always gotten a short end. I think part of it. I mean, I think they had to with the lawsuit. They had to do something against. Uh, against some team, and the reason they did against Peyton or uh, against us was because again Sean had played as a replacement player. Yeah, and look, and, I don't, I don't want to relitigate Bounty Gate. Uh, the, the league handled that very poorly. I think there were some inside the Saints organization that were culpable, and certainly crossed the boundaries of a fair play. Certainly. I'm not saying the Saints and, and some people inside the organization were blameless. No way for that. I don't want to relitigate that now. Um, but you, you kind of alluded to the moment there, the season, remembering Tom Benson and what this meant for the organization and Gale and, and everybody inside the Saints organization. Really just yesterday, it, it, what happened at the end of that game takes away from the really special moment an afternoon and game that it was for everybody who attended that game. I mean, it was an incredible religious experience for everybody there, and it will forever be remembered for what happened at the end, and that's just not right. I'll tell you this, everybody, every Saints fan who saw how the game last year against Minnesota ended with the Stephon Diggs catch and Marcus Williams falling face first, we got over that pretty easily. About two, three weeks later, we were ready for the draft and we were all excited for the next season and, and what could be. I have a feeling that we're not going to be getting over this as a city, as a fan base for a very long time. We will be talking about that moment probably for the rest of our lives here. 504-260-1870, that's the number. 870 is the text line. Here's a text from the 251. Could the officials have reviewed that play for targeting? No, not in the NFL. That rule change is probably coming as well. They can in college football, but not in the NFL. Back after this. Welcome back to the show. We're going to try to get to as many of your calls as possible before the top of the hour. And we'll start it off here with Keith. Of course, by the way, we're talking about the no call yesterday, Saints Ram ending, anything you want to talk about, 504-260-1870. Keith and Metairie, go ahead. Yes, sir. Um, the first thing was that, uh, I don't know, Monday morning quarterback, like you just alluded to before you went to break, that um, I was just wondering if Sean Payton could have thrown a challenge flag or called a timeout to have it reviewed for a helmet-to-helmet call. Not necessarily a, a penalty. I know they don't review penalties, but a helmet-to-helmet I don't know, some, like you said, maybe that's done in just in college. Is that right? It's only in college right now. They might change that rule 
going forward. In fact, I, I believe that's one of the rumors, and this was way before what happened last night was circulating around, was that they're going to look at implementing a college-style system for targeting. And, and college football, by the way, is going to go to a basketball-style system of targeting one, targeting two. I expect that to happen. I expected that to happen actually even before this madness that happened yesterday. Let's go to Jessica in Kenner. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Hello. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Uh, heartbroken like everybody else. Um, but the one thing that's really bothering me is how everybody keeps going back. Oh, the you know, th- things could have been diff- done differently or this play could have been called or they could have did this better. But to me, that's all hypothetical. You can't change, you know, the way that the plays were ran um, or what plays were called. But what the fact of the matter is, is we had the ball and we were going to win the game if they would have done their job. So it's, it is a robbery for, you know, some of the people in the national media that are saying it's, you know, not because the saints could have secured it earlier yeah, they could have done things differently, but it, at the end of the day, we still had the advantage there, and they, the NFL officiating team didn't do what they were supposed to. Right, and right. No, I mean, they terrible. did they, they, Exactly. They just – you can't, in that spot, have something so blatantly obvious like that call and miss that call and still expect to be employed to do that job at a future point. Nothing's going to happen. Like you said, Jessica, there's nothing that will be done to change the outcome and the disaster that happened yesterday. But hopefully there's some things that will change in the future so other fan bases and cities won't have to go through this moment, won't have to feel like this again. First of all, those guys should not be employed by the NFL anymore, specifically those two officials that were involved on that play. They should be done. They should not be officiating NFL football anymore. And I will say again, Stop this nonsense with the harassing of those officials in their personal lives. More story. I said this at the top of the show, and then I was just reading during the last break more stories that people are finding the phone numbers and harassing those officials and their families. No, stop that. Let's be better than that here. Let's not be the Kentucky basketball fan base, please. Also, I hope they implement some kind of system where even judgment calls can be reviewed. I don't want to completely slow down the game. I don't want everything and holding calls and and all these calls throughout the game reviewed. That could slow the game to a trickle, but certainly you've got to have a fail-safe where that moment doesn't happen again. It's, again, what I think is the worst singular moment in NFL history. Stephen Colbert, as a texture pointed out, led his show with that. SportsCenter Today is leading their show with that. A day later, it's just disastrous for the credibility of the league. Let's go to Jay in Luling. Welcome to the show, Jay. Hey, man, thank you for taking my call. I got two things to say, but first, I really wish Mr. Benz was alive because I'd love to hear what he has to say. Because I think you or Bobby said it earlier that people like Al Davis and Jerry Jones, they'll speak their mind. Yeah, they would. I think, yeah, I really, you know, I really think, I don't know what it would change, but Here's my comment. I mean, it really looked like the referee who was on the offensive side, you actually watched the video. He had the flag in his hand. You can see him. He's grabbing the ball of it. And the other referee who ran over seemed like he was more aggressive because you see how he told Sean Payton to get back, get back. And he looked like he told that referee, I got this. And it was just clearly his day. You know, he disagreed with it. Instead of getting together and looking, 
So I just, I'm, it's mind blowing. But this is my other question. You hear all the time after a game the following week of a player receiving a, a fine for, you know, a bad hit, helmet to helmet. They should definitely send uh, that defensive back helmet to helmet violation, don't you think? Oh, they might. No, that's a good. They, they might. Hey, look, was it a helmet to helmet hit? Yes. By the letter of the law, that's been called plenty of times this year. Wasn't nearly as egregious as the pass interference call. Thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. Let's go to Tracy on a cell phone. Tracy, welcome to the show. Hello. Listen, I just want to make one statement, and then I'll I'll take your response off air, please. But my point is, I think we're missing the you know the two ton elephant in the room, and that is they have been calling or non not calling no calls all season all across the league. I mean, this isn't just last night. Mm-hmm. This has been, it seems to me, it's been going on all season long. It so, has. No, Tracy, it has. It, it absolutely has. It, has it not been worse than any season you can remember, at least in the last decade? I talked about it again, Tracy and everybody. I talked about this two weeks ago after I watched the wild card round of the playoffs and the bizarre last seven minutes to the Dallas-Seattle game when there were seven there wasn't anything called in the first three and a half quarters of that game. All of a sudden, there were seven penalties all on Seattle in the last seven minutes of that game. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world is this? This is a travesty. And I said on my show the next day, watch out, fans, Saints fans and football fans in general, because that was probably a prelude to something disastrous that was going to happen the rest of the playoffs. Lo and behold, it did, and it happened to the Saints here. All right, we're going to take another break. More of your calls and moment of zen is going to be the call from Zach Streif and Deuce McAllister on that no call last night. Hang around for that. Wrap it up the show next. It's the last lap on WWL. Thanks for listening today. It's been a fun show. Fun to just kind of get everything off our chests. More calls. Chance to get stuff off your chest. We'll start with Steve in Houston. Welcome to the show, Steve. I was going to say, being a Raider fan, ask any of us about the Immaculate Deception. Ask us about the Tuck game. Uh, Ask the Houston Oilers fans back in the AFC Championship game, the Mike Renfro non-catch that brought in instant replay. I was at the 30-year anniversary uh, with a bunch of Oilers fans when they had the Super Bowl with the uh, Steelers and the Seahawks. And the uh, the Oilers uh, alumni said, it seems like the Steelers get the call. So this has been going on for years. I'm heartbroken being a, a Saints fan as well. And this is, I, I've asked a lot of different people, and every single one of us has said, this is the worst non-call we've seen in our life, and it's a travesty. They were denied the chance to go to the Super Bowl. They earned that right. Yeah, Steve, laying out what's happened to Oakland in their history, that is very fair points. The Raiders fan base, Raiders Nation, can certainly share in our pain a little bit. Let's go to Thomas uh, uh, and Hammond. Thomas, welcome to the show. Hey, Seth, how you doing? I'm all right. What's going on? Uh, I have a different, maybe different perspective. Somebody may have already said this. Uh, if they have, forgive me, but I'm going to say it again. Um, on that drive, I think the Saints got the ball without a minute 58 to go, correct? Uh, correct. On the drive in question. Yep. Drive in question. Well, okay. after, that was after the gin catch, but, yes, they had a minute 58 first down um, there. Yes. So Only about 20 seconds there. left, but go ahead. Okay, you run the ball there. You run the, you run the ball the first three plays. Rams burn their timeouts. 
Uh, Saints kick the field goal with no time left to win the game. That's all I'm saying. He wouldn't have been. No, 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 no. But that's not. But Thomas, yeah, that's I not. I agree. The call was bad, though. No, no, Thomas. That's. The but call. that's not true. What you laid out there just isn't true. Rams had two timeouts left, so if the Saints run the ball three times, they'll kick with about a minute ten left, give or take a little bit. So the Rams would have had about seventy seconds left, not no time left. I, I, I don't have any issue. I've said this before with how they. Uh, Sean Payton called those plays. In fact, if Drew Brees hits Michael Thomas on that little slant route, it's either a five-yard gain or a touchdown. Either way, uh, Saints are in business there. Thanks for listening tonight. We will have another show tomorrow, 8 o'clock, 8 to 11 here on WWL. We'll be talking about this more. You can call in then if you didn't get in tonight. Thanks to Tim Zimmer. Behind the glass, Doug Mouton and Aaron Torres are guests, and you can catch the show podcaststyleradio.com app, WWL app. I'm Seth Dunlap handing it off to Beyond Reality Radio, and here's our moment of zen. Zach Streif and Deuce McAllister with the No Call on the Saints Radio Network. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 